Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that wonders if the Philly Bible has a John 316, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live. Most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's not a nerd. He's smart. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. When life gives him lemons, he makes lemon-flavored napalm. It's TT! <laughs> All right. Good to have you back, man. Good to have Great you back. Good to be back. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, TT on his third appearance, I believe, on Sif Pop, and uh, if you don't remember, is the Fox affiliate critic, I believe, in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and does all sorts of fun stuff and runs a film festival and figuring all that out as we head into the summer and vaccinations and light at the end of the tunnel of COVID, and you got a lot on your mind, man. There's a lot on my mind, a lot going on, but I, but for right now, I just want to focus on the idea. I feel like, you know, an SNL guest host, uh-huh. am I getting into that stage where like, I, I'm, you know, we don't, am, we don't, we don't am have I earning any, something here? No, we don't have any five timers jacket or anything like that. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but maybe for you, TT, maybe we'll have to make one for your fifth appearance. Um, all right, you know, whenever all right. somebody it makes like is a regular on the show, I keep thinking in my mind, man, Aaron is trying to replace me. He's just, you know, every single person, they're just, uh, this is his way of doing interviews to see how well the chemistry works. So. Oh, I, I wow. like you, TT, but don't take my job. <laughs> I need this for my Sundays. Uh, I'm excited about the show today. Um, a couple of Netflix movies that mm. just came out. Uh, Concrete Cowboy's been out for uh, a couple weeks, uh, or basically a week. It's been out basically a week now. And then uh, Thunder Force just came out. So I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts on those. Of course, we'll do Buried Treasure, and we've got a BEC challenge on uh, Idris Elba movies uh this week so that's going to be fun um before we get into any of that though the oscars are coming up and forgot to mention this last week but that also means the Sposkers are coming up um so this has been a really fun thing we do every year last year for the first time ever we did a live broadcast reaction show to the academy awards uh called the Sposkers, and we are going to do that again this year we don't know exactly what that's going to look like um but we are definitely going to be broadcasting live during the academy awards um, and talking about our thoughts on the winners, all that kind of stuff uh, for the Sposkers. Now, the other part of the Sposkers broadcast is the contest. In fact, many would say it's the main part of the Sposkers broadcast. We have hundreds of people each year get in their picks for all of the categories in the Academy Awards, and one person will win 
Um, we even have a nice little tiebreaker that has to do with the length of the uh, broadcast so that we can declare a winner uh, each year. This is a battle between all of our listeners, all of our experts. TT, obviously, you are welcome to join. You'll be getting that email with the link uh, probably this week uh, to get your picks in. Um, and it is that battle, and then it is also the Aaron versus Andrew battle that has uh, become one of those things every year. We are so close every <laughs> single year. Every year, Aaron and I, we have like, I think it's like at least two or three different uh, picks, but every other pick is the same. So it comes down to those three picks mm -hmm. yeah. to decide which of us is going to uh, become victorious. And I think, what are we, like a three and three or something like that right now? You know, I just happened to have the information up right here in front <laughs> hey, of me. <laughs> Aaron, what? I, I, I'm actually really curious. What is it? So How many times have we beat you? We've, we've only been keeping track uh, since 2000 and... 17 uh, is when we've been doing actually oh. like the, the spreadsheet picks, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's four years. Uh, let's see. Uh, the overall winner uh, the first year was me, and I had 17 right. You had 16 right. Um, mm. The uh, I was, let's see, the high, the second year was 22 correct, and that still is a record for most uh picks picked correctly that belongs to andrew who won the second year in 2018 both <laughs> overall and over me uh and you crushed me that year i only had 17 right that year i say only that's generally a good score it won the year before <laughs> yeah. but 22 is is uh amazing 2019 um it the overall winner was 18 uh out of the i think at the time it was 24 or 26 i can't remember how many They've, they've removed a category this year. They combined the sound category, so that's going to be uh, a little bit different. Oh, the mixing and editing? They... Yeah, they, yeah, they combined the two sound categories. It was categories. always the same winner every time. No, it, was, it wasn't actually. They, that was kind of determined some of the races was how that, that one got split up a couple times. But uh, anyways, uh, the second year, the high was 18. It was not Andrew or I. Uh, neither one of us won in 2019. Uh, we both got 14 correct, and I won the mm -hmm. tiebreak by five oh, minutes that's right that's right i remember that year wow and then yeah. in uh 2020 someone tied the record and got 22 uh correct picks last year um yep. and then uh i had 19 correct and andrew had 17 so we are two and two my friend i've won twice that's you've what won, it is uh twice but yeah 2019 was the epic year where it all came down to the last uh, the last pick and uh, the and time. I remember, I remember you won because La La Land uh, and the uh, uh, was it was not. We both had La La, La, La Land, Land for best picture. Yeah, yeah, but that was the time. It was because that pushed the time over. Is that Ooh. whole kerfuffle with uh, mm -hmm. yeah. La La Land? Yeah, and uh, Moonlight. Not <laughs> you know oh, that's yeah yeah. So, so anyhow. If you would yeah. like to participate this year, highly encourage. It's a bunch of fun. Then you can tune in and we'll have you know updates on who's winning and how the scores are going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the link is at the website. This is the easiest way I can tell you to get there because it's a Google form and the link has a bunch of characters and whatever. Go to sifpop.com and click up above where it says Sposkers. That's the easiest way to get there. 
that'll take you right to your picks uh, and you can get those in uh, and then we'll have a good time again this year. So yeah, two weeks from today, I believe uh, we will be doing the Sposkers. So yeah, fun times. Excited for it. Sifpop.com. Click on Sposkers. Uh, you guys ready? I can to- see TT has this look in his eye like, oh, this is. Oh, good. I've got. I'm taking yeah, I'm taking him down. Yeah. <laughs> taking he's, him down. He's like, he's like, as soon as this broadcast ends, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting on the algorithms. I'm gonna find out which one. <laughs> I'm usually on the other end. I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy who's like, wait a minute, you do this for a living, and you only got like five, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this year could be interesting. There are uh, some big categories that are really up for grabs. Uh, actress and pick best picture both, I feel like, are more up for grabs this year than usual. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Now I could be wrong about that. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into the reviews, guys. Let's kick it off with Concrete Cowboy. You with me or not, bro? But then she still made you a man overnight. I'm your father. You ain't my father! I mean, you a father to everyone else out here. Oh, you hate me, man. I was just like him now. I don't know who they expect us to go up and be if we watching over our shoulder all our lives. I have something for you. Oh, look. Like a real cowboy. Sent to live with his estranged father for the summer, a rebellious teen finds kinship in a tight-knit Philadelphia community of black cowboys concrete cowboy is a netflix movie it stars uh, idris elba and caleb mclaughlin uh jarell jerome in there who you might remember from some other things as well method man making an appearance as well and uh yeah kind of a a i shouldn't say kind of a true story it's definitely based on a very true aspect of philadelphia and uh street cowboy culture there in philadelphia um, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, why don't you go first? I'm going to go with high side of okay, maybe. No, I'll commit low side of liked it. Low, low side, side of, of liked, liked it. it. All right. Yeah. Uh, TT. I'm a high side of liked it coming very, very close to loving it. Nice. Nice. Um, I am firmly in the liked it. Uh, uh, category. So we're all in the liked it, but at different levels, <laughs> which is really, yeah. really interesting. Uh, TT, you liked it the most, so you get to kick us off. What are some of your thoughts on uh, Concrete Cowboy? Well, you know, and here's the deal. Part of this is going to just come from the idea that I spent over a decade in Philadelphia. So that kind of lets you know that I'm a little biased mm. because I I know the city, and in particular, I know a little bit about the Fletcher Street stables and that community. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it was really interesting to, to see that. And again, for me, to be quite honest, I feel like this is it's a coming-of-age story, but it's also, for me, just this really great story about love overall. There is the, you know, the love between the father and the son that we see in Idris and, and Caleb there and their relationship as they're kind of getting to know each other. There's this love of... Again, the black cowboy culture in Philadelphia, which is a very strong element in, that, that comes out. It feels very real and authentic, mainly because they actually had real members of that community who were actually taking part in the cast, which is a great That kind of blew well. me away, to be honest. I was yeah. blown away when I realized that at the end uh, because they're, yeah, they're great. Too. They're great yeah. in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that definitely you know kind of helps with that authenticity of that community and everything that's going on. 
But there's also an even greater love of not just that particular community, but you know, there's that story that you get from from Idris's character as he's explaining to his son where his name comes from. And, you know, the jazz and the, the love of John Coltrane is such a Philadelphia thing as well. I can remember graduating from college and spending time in West Philadelphia and actually going to the home where John Coltrane lived when he was when he was living in Philadelphia. They've they've been working to try to set that up as a museum. They would do concerts out of it. They did tours. I went with, you know, friends. And as a matter of fact, I even went on a couple of dates uh, taking my dates through that through that home because again I was I was a big jazz fan love Coltrane and to have that connection and for the city to have that connection again that kind of speaks to you know what Philadelphia is about in a lot of ways again you, you get the usual Philly and you know the fans being kind of raucous or whatever else but there's there's a real strong sense of again of love that comes out and there's a reason why you know, it's the city of brotherly love. And you, this film really captures that in every aspect that you can imagine. And it does such a great job with it. And I, I covered this, uh, you know, on Fox 19 here in Cincinnati uh, when it opened. And I guarantee you that everyone that, that saw that review, everyone was really excited about seeing Idris Elba. Uh, I kept telling everyone though, that you may, you may come for Idris, but I feel like you stay for Caleb McLaughlin because I, I really loved seeing him in a completely different role than we're used to seeing him. He's not that little kid from Stranger Things anymore. He's grown up and he's kind of maturing into a very different kind of presence, which we are able to see here, uh, which is kind of in my mind, kind of making me kind of think that, yeah, I wonder what he's going to give us next. Uh, but I was, mm -hmm. I, I felt, I felt that he grounded this in a lot of ways. And again, I, I was just as excited to spend time with him as I was with Idris throughout the, the the course of the film. So yeah, that's where the, the extra love, if you will, came for me on this one. That makes total sense. Uh, I echo a lot of what you said. Um, I think the performances in this are top notch, uh, really around, uh, around the horn. Uh, I loved uh, everything that everyone's doing here. Um, I also think the emotion in this is really good, uh, really well done. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the performances, but it also has to do with the situations they're in. Uh, and really my only negative with the movie is kind of offset by uh, the beauty of these emotional performances. And that is that the movie f can feel cliche or tropey at times. Like, you know, there are many things in this movie we've, we've seen before. Um, but I do think the way this movie presents it to us and the performances sell it notches this up above just going, yeah, I've seen this kind of movie before. Cause you haven't really, you haven't really seen this movie before. Uh, even though there are echoes of, you know, many other, uh, films that, that play in these same areas. So, um, yeah, I, I, I echo a lot of, um, a lot of what you said. Uh, and then I would add in addition to that, um, which it isn't familiar to me as it is to you, TT, but I just found the setting so unique, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that to me really kind of notches it again uh, above kind of a run of the mill kind of movie. You just go, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know mm -hmm. anything about this. This is uh, fascinating stuff. And I love it when a movie can do that. Andrew, what are some of your thoughts? No, that's, that's exactly what it is. That's what puts this movie above like 
any others as far as uniqueness. The fact that this is a true story, that it's it's one of those that sounds so fantastical that you're like, I can't believe that this is a real thing. And it makes you want to know more as the movie goes on. You're like, I just want to know every possible thing I can about this uh, Fletcher Street stables. This just seems so incredible. And one of my, it actually leads into one of my negatives is because I didn't feel that I got to know that much about the Fletcher Street negative or the Fletcher Street stables until the very end, whenever they're actually interviewing the real people and they're talking about how the Fletcher Street stables like saved them and helped them and like guided them through life and stuff like that. Man, you should have spent more time, I think, or I should say less time focusing on the relationship between Idris Elba and, and, uh, I almost said Coltrane, um, but uh, yeah, there's less time on that relationship and more on what this community is about. I know that's not what the, I guess that's not what the movie wanted to be, but I think that the movie would have been better served if that's what it was about. Mm. Uh, my biggest negative, oh, were you going to say something? No, go ahead. About that? Oh, okay. My biggest negative with this movie is I think it is horribly, horribly shot. I think that the lighting I think the lighting is awful. I think that the camera angles are terrible. Uh, everything is either shot in th- like through things like through uh cracks in windows or and it just it doesn't do a good job of, you know, building it doesn't do a good job of building the uh the environment to make it f- fully realized. Whenever I can't see everything, it makes it difficult for me to you know, uh, realize what this whole place is like. Uh, that's my biggest negative with the movie is that I just couldn't see it. It's dark. It's it's shot like there's a couple action scenes. I guess you could call them in this movie where uh, I guess there's like fast pace, like a race, and then you know getting chased. And I couldn't tell what was going on. It was just so shaky cammed and like quick cuts and everywhere. And then I was like, man, this would have been. I don't know what could have fixed that. Just another cinematographer, or if that's just the the stylization that they wanted to go with. But it, it that really really bothered me. I think I, I think it probably is purposeful. A lot of that is purposeful. Um, in that the idea of you know if if you use the cinematography to show wide open spaces, well, that's a typical western. And and what what they're trying to say is yeah, there are horses here, but this is still you know, cracked windows and, you know, uh, Philadelphia and, you know what I mean? Like there's, so I think that's part of it is, is purposeful there. So I think it is a choice. Now that choice didn't work for you. And honestly, I didn't notice it. So I guess that means it's not, it, it did work for me, uh, cause it did its job. It wasn't noticeable. Um, although I guess if it's truly doing its job, it's, it's adding to my experience and I didn't notice that as, uh, as well, yeah. but, um, I do think it was probably purposeful. What do you think, TT? No, I would agree with you that it's it feels purposeful. And again, it, it it's uh, it's sort of that contrast that again that you would expect from sort of that traditional Western wide open spaces. You're in a you're in an you know an urban environment. You're in a city with you know row houses and you know those those tight blocks. So yeah, it it's it's focusing and narrowing that vision to a certain extent. Because it's also letting you know that these, you know, the people that are living in this in, in, in this world who may be dreaming of, you know, some sense of that freedom that you might get, they they aren't, you know, they don't have that freedom. So I think that right. that was that was a very conscious choice. Um, 
but yeah, I didn't really think about it honestly until this conversation either. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Well, hey, the, I mean, maybe it was, every, sometimes you just have a movie where something sticks out to you, and then it's with you for the rest of the movie. Sure, no, I've well. definitely sure. had that happen before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was it for me. Uh, I do believe that the uh, the performances, like you say, are top notch or stellar. Uh, I want to talk about one scene in particular, and what I think is the most striking scene of the entire movie and it's it's not a spoiler but i'll just say it deals with a a baseball field Mm -hmm. and it i don't know why but that scene i guess that's the transformative moment of the film i guess you could say Mm -hmm. uh and i that scene i felt i felt that scene to my core i just i got chills Mm -hmm. and uh seeing a proud father and all that. I'm like, this is a great, great scene. Yeah, Yeah. no, I agree. Um, There were two scenes that stood out to me. Uh, One was the, the baseball field scene that you're talking about. And the other was kind of the revelation of the smush character. There's a scene where we, uh, we learn the full um, scope of that character that Mm -hmm. the movie does a, I thought did a really great job of, setting you up for thinking this character is the same character you've seen in every movie like this that's you know there to drag yeah. things down or whatever and really hides a lot of information from you or you know enough information from you that when it reveals this moment um it's heartbreaking there's like a real mm-hmm. heartbreak to it and a real empathy to it um i i really enjoyed that that revelation of uh the Jarell Jerome uh character uh in this movie so that would be an, a, one that I would mention as well that has a lot of those, those really cool emotional beats uh, inside of it. So, yeah. Uh, TT, what were uh, some of the moments that uh, are one of the moments that stood out to you? Well, you know, again, I feel like the consensus obviously for us is definitely that, that, that baseball park scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a powerful, powerful scene. Um, and I think I've already mentioned the other one for me was, and again, it's it's an unusual scene because there's not necessarily a lot going on in it, but just that conversation between the father and the son. And again, mm-hmm. the whole yeah. idea of the name and where it comes from and what it all means. And there's a lot more backstory that is being conveyed in there. We're being told an awful lot. Uh, but again, like I said, for someone who has that Philadelphia connection and understands sort of some of that larger history of the city, um yeah the coltrane element in there just for me that was i mean it it took me back to my memories of going to the coltrane house and understanding how how vital that space is and it's it's not it's not a big well-known space so again it's one of those things it's kind of almost like inside baseball kind of stuff in a way like if you know that coltrane spent time in philadelphia and you knew about the house then all of a sudden to hear about it and to hear about him, it's like, yeah, they're 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 really tugging on you there. But again, there's a, a handful of people maybe that are going to know that. But for I was one of those handful of people, and for me, that was like, yeah, that's 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 good stuff. That's that's kind of rich and authentic, and it's telling you something that, again, most of the world doesn't know. And, and usually in yeah. those moments, what I'm hoping for is if you if you heard that and you didn't know it then maybe you would be like, well, wait a minute, I need to go like research John Coltrane and find out right. what was his, what was his life and his time in Philadelphia? Like, why was that such an important thing? Why did they bring it up? It's those kind of moments that will, 
you know, send you down a little bit of a rabbit hole where you're going to, you're going to really find something out, something that you didn't know. And that you'll be like, you, those are the, the yeah. things you'll want to share with other people, like kind of on the sly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, those personal attachments uh, like that, they really validate the emotion that the scene is trying to give off. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's really what that's. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and do, uh, do one last thing. If you've got one other thing you want to say uh, about the movie before we move on, I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, it's kind of a negative. Uh, I wasn't sure the dynamic uh, or, or <coughs> let me just say the character work of the Method Man character worked for me. Um, mm -hmm. There are some pretty big movements that character makes uh, in motivation and in action. Um, and I don't know that the movie let me understand that enough for me to get it. Um, so I, you know, it, I'm not sure what that, I come away from the movie not sure what I'm supposed to get from that character. And I think that is, uh, uh, can be uh, a little bit confusing and, and maybe I just, you know, missed a part or, or whatever, but that character under me seemed a little bit, um, a little bit too much used by the screenplay for purposes rather than for being an authentic human being. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so that would be my I one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, his motivations aren't, uh, earned, I guess you could it, say. It doesn't seem to and me then, they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then whenever the, the, I guess you could say the, uh, the revelation of that character, it just rings hollow. Uh -huh. Like you just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't seem like, where did that come from in that moment? Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what about TT? Uh, T. You got uh, one? Anything else you want to say about the movie? Same, same kind of issue again. I just had a conversation with someone about sort of the idea of how films use black authority, and in this case, black police officers, and, and you know, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, that the the black cop who you know we know is a performer who was a, you know a former rap artist is becoming a thing. It's kind of like yeah, if you're mm -hmm. if you're a rap artist at a certain level you know, where you may not be making music as much anymore, you know, your, your next career is to be a cop, either on a TV show or in a movie. <laughs> and I yeah. just, yeah, I'm kind of looking at that. And I love Method Man. And I was just like, man, come on, you go from Luke Cage, who where at the very least, we understood the idea of who you, who you were in Luke Cage. Yeah. And right. you're right. There's a, there's an awful lot of this character and the motivations that's it's not about motivations at all. It's really just kind of about, okay, we need something to happen. And yes, exactly. You're, you're going to be the conduit to make these things happen for us. so that we can move the story along. And that's, that's problematic. And I, I, yeah, again, I just kind of feel like, you know, method. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta stay away from that. <laughs> just, just stay away. Now you have me thinking, like, okay, we got Ice T, we got <laughs> Method Man. That's where that's the that's the rabbit hole that you go yeah. down. You start, you know, <laughs> yeah. LL Cool J, who has, has really yeah. completely transitioned over, and it's just like, dude, like there was a oh, time yeah. when Mama he, said knock you out. I never would have imagined that you would be the dude that you are now, and you know, in the roles that you play, and it's just like, uh, okay, is there an alternate? I mean, hey, even. Is, Even Ice Cube in uh, 21 yeah. Jump Street was a, a cop, yeah. so there we yeah. go. Is there an alternate universe where uh, Tupac and Biggie are still with us and, you know, playing cops in movies and television? Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Like it's, it's interesting wow. in that way. Yeah. Andrew, did you have uh, one, any uh, last things you wanted to mention about the movie? Uh, I think we talked about no post-credit scene, but I, I think we really <laughs> covered everything. All right. Fair enough. Uh, the movie again is Concrete Cowboy. Uh, sounds like it's a recommend from all of us. 
we all liked it in one way or another. Uh, Concrete Cowboy is on Netflix. Uh, let's move on to Thunder Force. Hi, I'm here to see Emily Stanton. Do you have an appointment? I'm her best friend. We're not currently what I would say best friends or friends. You look good. You look great. What have you been up to? Let me show you. I've been developing a genetic platform that will allow us to give ordinary people superpowers. But do me a favor, please. Don't touch anything. God, Lydia, do you have any idea what you've done? Two childhood best friends reunite as an unlikely crime-fighting superhero duo when one invents a formula that gives ordinary people superpowers. Uh, the, the movie stars Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer, uh, and then some others you know in there as well, including uh, Jason Bateman in one of the major roles. Um, this is, you know, Netflix doing comedy. Uh, what do you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? TT, you get to start this time. <laughs> That's that is said enough. Yeah, what are those categories? <laughs> Liked it, loved it, <laughs> didn't like it, hated it, or it was just okay. Yeah, that's all I can get back to is I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> hate it, but uh, just yeah, I definitely didn't like it. All right, didn't like it. Strongly in the didn't like it category. Andrew, what do you got? No, it's not a hate it. I know what TT's saying because it didn't infuriate me. This is a it it was a nothing movie. It was mm-hmm. a nothing movie. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with just really didn't like it. Yeah, right there with you guys. Um I considered saying I hated it, but you're right. This is not listen, I giggled at a couple of the lines. I think these people are occasionally funny. There's just nothing here. You know, overall, I mean, this is a terrible movie. It's just a terrible movie. It's a really um, bad. It's, movie. it's just really bad. And so, yeah, I think I think I have to be with you on the uh, strongly disliked it uh, train, um, which I think TT means you liked it best because you just said you didn't like it. Uh, we said we strongly disliked it. So, guess who gets to go first? TT, tell us some thoughts on this movie. Tell this. Tell us why this is your number one picture. Yeah, why you love this movie so much? Obviously. Okay. Yes. Well, let me at least start with the one positive thing that I kind of got out of, out of it. Yes, there were a couple of chuckles here and there, but to be quite honest, I I wanted to embrace the idea that it felt like we were kind of seeing like a weird origin story for the Fantastic Four. I just that you know the the comic right. book nerd in me was there, kind of like okay, yeah, you've got this really smart woman who you know has figured this you know the whole dna the formula out she's got her friend who's kind of like her ben Grimm, you know becomes the muscle of the group yeah i i i enjoyed the idea of playing with gender and some of those things along those lines so that's the that's the positive stuff that i'll say on the negative side and Everything else. Everything else. But I'm going to zero <laughs> in on this one thing here. This is Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Ben Falcone. This is their fifth film together with him in the director's chair. Out of those five films, they've even co-written three of them because they, they were the co-writers on Tammy, The Boss, and Life of the Party. Life of the Party might be the best of those for me. 
And I'm looking at this one now, and to be quite honest, I never saw super intelligence. So that was the, and, and I felt like I didn't see super intelligence because I knew that that wasn't going to be good and I didn't want to have to cover it. <laughs> so that, right. that says, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about how, what I think about the idea of them working together right now. I, I see the idea that she takes this as an opportunity to maybe improvise and do her you know, her kind of fun riff on things. And he's there to kind of allow her the space to do that. But five times now, and and again, the best that you can come up with is a movie that's just okay. And that's kind of how I feel about Life of the Party. That's the one, it was the most realistic of these films that they've done together, you know. And if, like I said, if that's the best you can do, then maybe you guys shouldn't be working together anymore. Or at least, like, you shouldn't be working together with your husband in charge. Like, there should be some other factor or voice in there to help kind of modulate or corral what appears to be the worst instincts of both of you working together. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of that. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. I think in many ways we're seeing uh, a very... Adam Sandler type thing going on here, right? Where somebody finds a groove that is fun for them, that is easy for them. There's not a lot of friction to it. It's her and her husband making movies, writing stories, and then just having fun with their friends. Adam Sandler has done the same thing for years and is making millions of dollars from Netflix to do it, right? Like like Sandler signed a huge Netflix deal to make movies that most of us who sit in critics' chairs or whatever say are bad movies. They're not great movies. And yet something about them connects to a certain portion of the audience enough that uh, that there is value to Netflix or whoever to release them out there and have you know content for those people. Um, I very much think uh, Melissa and Ben could be doing a very similar thing here. And to that I say, go for it. Do your thing, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just because I don't think you're making good movies, if you're having fun, if you're able to put food on the table by doing it, um, go for it. And when you do, I will sit here on that weekend and say it's a bad movie. That's my job. But you are doing your job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just to each their own. And to those who who love this kind of movie great enjoy it have a good time you know laugh your butt off i totally understand that you know, that certain things hit people differently but i not it doesn't work for me yeah. <laughs> you know like i watch it and i i think there are you know there's a real same thing i would say about a lot of the sandler movies there's just a real laziness to them and when i that word can be loaded in a lot of ways all I mean by that is it's a lot of lowest common denominator, easiest route kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, if it works, it works. But uh, but yeah, I, I I don't have a good time. I occasionally laugh. My love of Jason Bateman will get me through a lot. Um, and and that's kind of where I come out the other side. Andrew, what about you? Oh, I don't even like Jason Bateman in this. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh the, I'm going to start with my positives, as I should. I think that the effects in this movie are, are fairly well done. You know, All right. Like, uh, yeah, sure. They're pretty good. Yeah. Netflix uh, has money. Th- <laughs> Netflix does have money, and that I think that's what it comes down to. Um, but uh, I think that if you're going to talk about comedy in this movie, I think that the comedy is f- all from this the like lowest side like uh, grunts in this movie. 
like Andy and Kyle and all oh, those. Oh, the henchmen? Those, yeah, that's where I got my laughs was the henchmen, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, other than that, I don't think that I don't think Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy have any chemistry at all. I did not I, buy that relationship for I a think second. Octavia Spencer is horribly cast in this movie. I don't think she works yeah. in this role. And I don't No. I don't know why that is. I don't know what that is. I think she's an incredible actor. Um I just I just kept feeling like I'm just I'm not buying her in this character for some reason. And this is gonna sound awful, and I don't mean it to be, but it looked like she was Botoxed in the face because she wasn't giving any reaction or emotion. Her just she had a deadpan face throughout the entire movie. And I'm like, can you can you do something? You show me some sorrow, some joy, anything to let me know that you're the Octavia Spencer that I've loved for so long. And uh Yeah, and uh there's forced relationships in this that are totally unwarranted. I'll just talk uh, Jason Bateman. I'll just say that that whole relationship, it, it's built on absolutely nothing that it's what, and normally I'm with you normally, Aaron, where I could say I would love Jason Bateman in anything, but not here. Can I just say, can I just say, you may hate me for this. It was my favorite part of the movie was Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I don't know why really? it just worked for me. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought that dinner scene I died like a couple times during that dinner scene. It just got me for some reason. I'm human. Sue me. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not mad that you liked it. How dare you, Aaron? No. Anyhow, but yeah. Live your truth. I'll live my truth. That's right. I'll live my truth. truth. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know how how long we want to spend on this. How much we want to go into detail. uh, But let's let's go ahead and and can kind of continue on. on any of the other thoughts you might have, because I don't want to short circuit any conversation that we might want to have about this movie, but I think we're all pretty much in the in the same boat with it. Yeah, I yeah. think we are. Although I will admit, hearing your comparison with the Sandler films, I, I, I do get that, and I'm totally in agreement with you on the idea of it, that yes, they have found a groove, you know, whether it's Bateman or, you know, any of the other actors who are kind of part of their worlds that they've been able to kind of build in that, yeah, you can come in, you can have fun, we can shoot a film, we can do this. And yes, there's going to be an audience out there for it. I think it'll be curious to determine though, based on these five films so far, have they hit that same point that Sandler was able to hit, which would, which allowed, sure. you know, someone to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to continue funding this because there's something that we can, we can make something off of this. I, I, I don't necessarily feel they're quite at that level with it yet. Uh, but who knows? And again, if they do, you're right. Basically it means that they'll continue. If, if it's Netflix is going to keep giving them the money to do it, they'll keep putting them out. And when one way or another, we'll be able to keep sitting on the sidelines. So when the films come out and talking about them and saying, yeah, okay, this didn't work for me. You know, and that's that's yeah. that's the gig. So if they're able to do that and keep it going, more power to them. Yeah, I uh, will be, and we'll be right here to tell them exactly right. how we. Yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, she also, I'm Melissa McCarthy in particular, um, also has this kind of Sandler thing where she also pops up in serious movies mm-hmm. every you know couple of years. You know, and that's I, I find that really fascinating and interesting and. 
Um, you know, I'm trying to think of the last. Can you uh, can you ever mm-hmm. forgive me? Maybe the last one with the more yeah. serious role. I can't remember if there yeah. was something after that. I think that was it. Um, but that was a couple years ago. You know, that wasn't mm-hmm. too that was long ago. And she's great yeah. in it. Um, I consider myself a Melissa McCarthy fan uh, at times when she's doing stuff like that. In the same way, I consider myself a Sandler fan when he's doing uh, more in-depth stuff. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I I take my role seriously as somebody who people look to and go, hey, tell me if this movie is something I might like or I might not like. Like, I take that seriously. But at the same time, I take it um, lightly enough to know everybody's mm-hmm. different. Uh, you know, like, if they're... There's no shame in loving a movie like this if you do. If you have a great time, go. Have a great time. Pop up, open your Netflix, and have a good time. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's not for me. And uh, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's just my loss. So, yeah. Yeah, this movie made me feel like I was eating raw chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, consider- By the way, kids, considering kids this movie, do not you may have to chicken. clarify. <laughs> That's true. That is a very positive thing <laughs> yes. in this movie. So, yeah, kids do not eat raw chicken. Let me introduce you to my friend Sal, last name Manila. <laughs> yeah. Manila. Uh, so yes, uh, Thunder Force is on Netflix. Um, Andrew, did it have any uh, post credit scenes? I don't remember any. No, no uh, uh, there was no. No, no post credit scenes. Well, there you go. Uh, Thunder Force is not a recommend for me, but, uh, you know, to each their own. To each their own. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. Actually, before we do, a uh, huge shout out to our amazing Sif Pop members. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we have recently begun to um, be more diligent about the content that's appearing on your Sif Pop membership in making sure we get you those bonus uh, episodes on time. Um, We have been through some real changes behind the scenes uh, as far as uh, people who are working on that and doing those kind of things. And uh, we believe we're in a place now where your membership uh, will be uh, well worth it and fulfilled. Those bonus podcasts uh, we record are always there, um, but uh, we should be able to get those to you quicker. And thank you for your patience as we've kind of gone through the last couple months and kind of getting things back on track. Uh, This week, we talked about uh, our thoughts on what comes next for movie theaters in streaming um, as we see light at the end of the tunnel with COVID uh, have things changed forever we had a good discussion with TT on what the future might look like and how things have changed and whether or not they've changed uh, for the good um, so yeah if you want to be a Pop member go check it out support starts at $3 a month if you want the bonus podcast I, I should clarify this every week um, but I, I often forget to That's the $5 a month level. Um, So that's where you get the bonus podcast, those kind of things. Um, And you can do all that at patreon.com slash siftpop. Patreon.com slash siftpop. And thank you very much for doing that. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge, best ever Idris Elba movies. We will go from number five to number one. If you have something ranked higher, you can trump it, and we'll talk about it when we get to uh, the highest ranking is when we want to talk about it. Um, so, TT, why don't you kick us off? <clears throat> What's your number five best Idris Elba I am going movie? with Obsessed, number five. Ooh. Yes. 
and you know, again, to be quite honest, I think it kind of speaks for itself. You've got Allie Larder, Beyonce, and Idris Elba. Like, <laughs> just now, just a lot of pretty people. people. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's lot, a of, lot pretty of pretty people. people. You know, there's you know, there's a relationship there. There's the other woman who's going to come in and try to break things up, and then of course you're going to have the clash and. It gives you mm-hmm. all of that in the cheesiest of ways. It gives you, you know, the glorified sort of cat fights and the whole deal. It's got everything. And it's got Idris kind of kind of hanging out on the sidelines as the object of everyone's attention in there. Um, yeah, it again, it's one of those movies. It feels like, you know, the, the high class lifetime movie that if it's on on a weekend and and I'm in the house, even whether I'm by myself or with my wife, if it's on, I know we're going to watch it. We'll come yeah. in wherever we are in it. And it's a film that we can share together for those things because it's just fun. So number five. Hi, Candy. It's really uh, early on in his career, too. Uh, 2009 mm-hmm. uh, is when Obsessed came out. So I know he'd done Rock and Rolla before that I had seen him in. Um, but not 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 many of the other things that he. I guess twenty eight weeks later, right, right, um, was before that as well. Which Uh-oh. oh, look what I did! Accidental transition. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, yeah, what's your no. number five? Uh, no, I'm ju- no. Actually, it's twenty eight <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, you know what's funny? I don't remember him in this movie. I really don't remember him in this movie. I remember Jeremy Renner. Uh, I just I'm having trouble picking out the scenes with Idris Elba. Mm. But regardless, I love this movie. And you know what? It Making this list got me excited to go back and rewatch it because this movie is banana hammocks. I do, I, I think that, I, there's no way I'm in the minority here, but uh, 28 Days Later is a better movie. Uh, but this is still really good. This is still really fascinating. I just like the whole 28 universe I know they've only done two movies, but the rage virus, you know, it just it's something it it's a fun way to make zombies not zombies, you know, it's a it's a it's a gory, bloody fun movie. Uh, what is this movie, Andrew? What, what did you say? This movie is banana hammocks. <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Isn't that the name for like a speedo? What are you even yeah. doing right now? <laughs> banana yeah. hammocks? What is this? Yeah, you never heard. Never <laughs> I heard, heard that something's before. bananas or something like that. No, it's it's like a it's the exclama- exclamation on bananas. Uh-huh. It's the bananas is it bananas? No, it's banana hammocks. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'll believe you. I will absolutely believe you. Uh, let's see. My number five is Jungle Book. Um, I have that nice. at my, my number five. I really enjoyed this. Um, and it's interesting because we've had so many Jungle Book movies. I say so many. We've had like three over the last you know, decade or so. Um, and then, of course, the big Disney Still. one before that. That is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Um, and we also had the other live action, the real live action one, too, with mm-hmm. uh, Lynn Hetty and... Uh, right, uh, right. What's his name? Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, I thought the the voicing on all the characters was really well done. I really like the way this movie uh, kind of adjusted some of the thematics about fire and some of the different things it did with that. Um, I really had a good time uh, with The Jungle Book uh, and... Uh, I wanted to mention that one for my number five. You see, if John Favreau would have taken the same art style that he used in this for The Lion King, I think it would have been a much better movie. 
because you know you see the emotion in the anim- with the animation of mm-hmm. these you know animals I agree. in this version. I will say that if I have to pick uh, my Jungle Book, I do think that I like the uh, Andy Circus. Uh, what's mm-hmm. Andy Circus yeah. one a lot. It's better. really yeah. good. Yeah, I really yeah, like it. It's a lot darker. It's a lot darker yeah. than this one. You but, know, uh, I, I, when it comes to the discussion about uh, public domain, I think we more need to talk about things like Jungle Book or Sherlock Holmes mm. or things that are in the public domain that get used by multiple different you know companies in multiple different ways. Is that a bad thing? I feel like that's the point of public domain is to be able to have more people tell yeah. stories from universes we love, right? And I think we have so far transitioned into this idea of ownership is forever when it comes to uh, content rights, IP rights, um, that I think we've kind of been uh, a little bit duped, maybe even gaslighted a little bit to, you know, kind of bowing to more of a commercialized pressure than understanding there's a reason public domain exists and we should quit yeah. extending it for these these big IPs. It should it should go to artists to be able to do stuff with it that they want. So there's a reason we have well, a couple great Jungle Book movies right. because it's public domain and people can tell that story. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that the issue that people and I totally agree with this point is, and I agree with what you're saying, Aaron, is that when it comes to public domain, uh, co- production companies are very selective on what they will use. Like you'll see 15 jungle book movies before you see one metropolis, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, they keep going back to the, what they know works instead of taking a risk on another old IP. That's, you know, public domain. Well, I guess that doesn't even make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I think would encourage (laughs) risks as well, because if you know, you're going to lose your war horses, you know, if you know, you're going to lose, the IP that you've counted on for so long, you have to find new stuff that will not be in the public mm. domain for a little bit that you can, you know, monopolize for a while. Um, so, yeah, that's it's become a pretty big topic for me, that idea of public domain and and uh, owning content and, and that kind of stuff. But Because I think we're going to have to wrestle with it in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our number fours. Uh, what do you got, Prometheus. And mm, mm-hmm. That's some my honorable I, mentions. I go with Prometheus... And again, this is going to, I'm, I'm choosing weird reasons for going for some of these because I, I felt like I chose a slightly unusual Idris Elba titles here, but I, I have to go with Prometheus because he got, he gets to follow in, in a really rich tradition of the sacrificial black character in an aliens film. <laughs> that world for me is such a rich and ripe world. And again, I say that looking at the idea that we just lost Yafet Toto, <laughs> who was the first mm-hmm. guy to start this chain. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, wow, like, you know, you're in good company. What yeah. a long and storied history. Yeah. Uh, and, and you knew <laughs> yeah. literally from the moment he appears in the film, like it just, it was one of those things. I'm just like, yeah, he ain't going to survive long. And again, he does the noble thing to try to <laughs> no. save the room, but you're just like, mm, man, just knew that was coming. <laughs> so I spent the yeah. whole movie waiting for that. I think I think that I think whenever you talk about the alien and the xenomorph universe, you have to think it's not who's going to die; it's who's the one person that's right. going to live. Who mm-hmm. it's who is the Ellen Ripley of this movie? You know, so yeah, yeah. But 
God, that was funny. That... <laughs> Hor- horror <laughs> movies time, and alien the movies. The time honored tradition of the sacrificial <laughs> yeah. black character. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, what do you got at number four? I am actually going to go with a movie that doesn't really feature Idris Elba in it that much. I'm going to go with American Ooh. Gangster. Oh, okay. This is definitely a uh, Russell Crowe, Denzel Washington movie. Uh, I will say that the 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 big scene with uh, Idris Elba, it is shocking, where uh, you have Denzel just walking out of the uh, restaurant to go and talk to him, and then walking back after he deals with him. It's a it's a crazy story. I love these based on true event sort of tales and it's also a crime drama so it's just it's ticking all my boxes of things and i think that russell crowe's giving a, a a good performance in this but really denzel is just you know nailing it out of the park it's a really good really good movie i think it's actually overlooked it is yeah. a little bit overlooked american gangster is a little bit overlooked i agree uh my number four is molly's Ooh. game um i think mm. i enjoyed this more than a lot of people did um i you know, Sorkin, I think rightly so in this movie, got criticized for not being able to direct his own writing. You know, he's he's much better at crafting the writing side of things than understanding how to cut, you know, the story side of things on the director side. But boys, he's learning and he's learning fast. And um, and I think you do see some talent uh, even in the direction here, even though there's lots of learning to go. But the writing is still so sharp. So much fun. Uh, I'm a huge fan of poker. I love playing poker. So there's that aspect to it as well. Um, so yeah, I was kind of always going to love this movie no matter how it came out, dealing with Sorkin and poker. I mean, but uh, but yeah, I ended up uh, loving it quite a bit. So Molly's Game comes in at number four uh, for me. It's funny because I last night I actually watched the Bad Brad uh, Harlan going tilt scene. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I don't, it just popped up in my YouTube uh, recommendations. I'm like, Oh, I'm watching this because I love that scene. It's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, on to number three. All right, TT, guilty what do you pleasure. Got? Guilty pleasure alert. It's Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, I, that's Hobbs and I, Shaw. I, I'm in a there. huge, nice. huge fan of the whole franchise. It's again my total guilty pleasure. Uh, but I love it in this case even more because if we're going to talk about Idris Elba, you have to talk about the idea that if you've got The Rock and Jason Statham, you had to have a personality that could match them. And weirdly enough, mm. I, yeah, it's, it is Elba in a lot of ways. He's, he's not exactly, you know, necessarily on their level, but there's something about his presence that just lets you know that if there's going to be someone that they would have to go up against, he could, he's, he's got the, He's he's got that vibe mm-hmm. about him that he could handle that. So yeah, it's it's a nothing role. They they come up with an with what I think is really kind of a, a, a cheap way to kind of get rid of him in the end that doesn't really serve who he is. But I was just glad that he was there. So yeah, so I, yeah. I, I, yeah. that's that's number three for me again. Total guilty pleasure, and it's another one of those that if it's on, I'm gonna watch it any any chance I get. I don't. I don't blame you. I like the Fast and Furious movies, and I and I enjoy Hobbs and Shaw as well. Um, that's a fun one. Andrew, what do you got at number three? Oh, <laughs> gonna start a howl. I'm going with Zootopia. Uh, yeah, Ooh. I'm gonna trump it. Uh, I'm gonna I had trump, a feeling. I'm gonna trump I Zootopia. Uh, I my number three is Pacific mm-hmm. Rim. 
is what I have at number three. Speaking of guilty pleasures. Wow. All the way up at number three. That's fascinating. It's um, a good, it's a fun movie. It's really fun. I And not yeah. only is it really fun, and maybe I'm stretching here, but I think there's some really interesting things that this movie is doing with team dynamics. Uh, one thing I noticed mm. the the first time through is that each of the pairs are a different type of relationship. Mm. And the movie is speaking yeah. about, like, you know, what is a relationship with a brother and sister look like? What is a relationship with a parent-child look like? What is a relation... Like, there's some really interesting things it's doing with... Uh, and the, the whole point of these uh, these mechs is that, that you have to operate together. Okay. You have to learn to work together and work... So, the, thematically, this movie meant something to me, and I found it really uh, interesting. In addition to the fun cool, you know, robots punching giant each other robots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of thing. Giant so, robots, giant uh, uh, Yeah, I think Pacific Rim is really good. I really do. And uh, it comes in at my uh, my number three. Okay. So there you go. All right. I don't blame you. Uh, number two, number TT. Two what do you got at number two? Uh, Marvel, but not Marvel all at once. I'm going with The Losers. I really, oh, I have always okay. enjoyed The Losers. Again, it's one of those for me, it's an underrated kind of film. It's in that graphic novel, comic book kind of world. And the great thing about it is, like I said, it's Marvel, but not Marvel because you've got Chris Evans and Zoe Saldana in there together, along with Idris, who is of course in the Marvel universe as well. Um, He's actually getting ready to cross over into DC. So again, you've got all of those kind of elements going on at once, but it feels, and again, it was supposed to feel a little bit like, you know, the A-team and some of those kinds of, kinds of stories as well and it mm-hmm. does that in its own kind of fun gritty not necessarily taking itself all that seriously kind of way um it's 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 got a lot of action but it's not necessarily trying to go you know full-on john wick or taken or anything like that it found its own little niche along the way um and it was one of those to be quite honest i kind of always wanted to see more in that world because it was unlike some of those other action blockbuster kinds of films that we had gotten. And I was a little sorry that we never got to see more. Nice. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen this one. So uh, yeah, that's it's bonkers. Total... Is it? <laughs> it's banana you know hammock. Right. Oh, thank you, no, Andrew. I thank you. I'm so. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that very, very much. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the losers, that was your number two, correct? So Andrew, we are at your number two. Uh, if we were going based solely off, uh, performances, I think this is his best performance. I'm going beast of no nation. I'm going to, I'm going to kick that one off. (laughs) Oh, Ah! TT coming through. Uh, that means it's time for my number two, which was trumped by Andrew. Uh, my number two is Zootopia. Um, I think this movie's fabulous. I honestly think because of the shadow of Pixar, uh, Disney Animation's new era doesn't get as much of the love as it should. It's really interesting to me. I think everybody knows these movies are great. You know, Zootopia's great. Frozen's great. Like, they just keep releasing great movies. Um, and uh, I just, I think it's, it's uh, mentioning Jason Bateman, so mm. good in this. You know, like, there's just so much fun in this movie, and it's just so well done. Um, I really have a great time with Zootopia. Uh, so that comes in at my number two. Andrew, you had it at number three. Is that correct? Yeah. What mm-hmm. What? Uh, yeah. What are some of your thoughts? Uh, it's just something fascinating about uh, uh, 
an other world, you know, like it's, you know, everything is pretty much the same except you just replace it with animals instead of humans, you know, mm-hmm. and how that and how that uh, dynamic is changed, you know, because it speaks to a lot, uh, you know, metaphorically, <clears throat> metaphorically with like uh, race relations and uh, stereotypes and stuff like that. It's uh, especially uh, stereotypes when it comes to like uh, carnivores, you know, and the herbivores in this world. It's really interesting to see, you know, what this movie is subtly trying to say and yet not so subtly. Mm-hmm. On top of it being a super hilarious movie. It's really funny. That sloth scene is yep. one of the funniest things ever to be on screen. Uh, oh, yeah. So good. Ha! <laughs> 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 ha! <laughs> that's really good that's a good impression if you're listening Thanks. to this on the audio podcast you you have to go to youtube and, and check out uh andrew's uh, sloth impersonation uh all right time for our um number wait that, was that so oh yeah we just did yeah. my number two that's correct uh tt yeah. we know what your number yeah, one is tell us yeah, about again, beasts of no nation i feel like we already started off yeah i i would say this is probably the strongest performance we've seen from him him being Idris Elba on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, the the other part of it that I find really fascinating too is I feel like this is the film that kind of jump-started the idea of Netflix in the awards season world. Uh, it, it didn't yeah. necessarily yeah, totally. really get the traction that, that people were expecting it to get, but I remember when it played in Toronto that year. I remember seeing it there. As a matter of fact, I saw... Mm-hmm. Idris and the cast, everyone was there um, during, I think that I actually saw the, the public screening of it uh, at the festival, the first public screening. And yeah, you got the sense that people knew that this was, this was the start of something both for him and that cast and also for Netflix as a whole. So yeah, there's, there's an awful lot to kind of, kind of latch onto here. The other thing in terms of Elba and his performances you know, I don't necessarily want to compare him to Denzel in any particular way because Denzel is kind of in a, in a completely different class. But I have really enjoyed and appreciated the idea, even looking at like my list of films, you know, as part of this challenge. He's definitely kind of moved, you know, whether it's, you know, he can be the good guy sometimes, he can handle, you know, a more villainous kind of turn. He's willing to embrace and to try a little bit of everything. And again, just looking at this, uh, all of our films that we've been talking about, he's been in animated stuff. He's done big, you know, he's big tentpole kinds of things. He's been in Marvel movies. He's bouncing around. He's exploring all of these different things. And again, part of it, what we're, what, with, as we've been focusing on it, we haven't even talked about the stuff that he's done on television. So he's got an amazing right. filmography that shows and sort of spotlights all of the different facets of what he can bring to the table. Um, to say that this, you know, Beast of No Nation is, is the, you know, the, the strongest and the most serious of the bunch. Gosh, it says a lot about that film, but like I said, I feel like it also just says an awful lot about him. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. Um, it's- I like what a uh, Jay Bourgeois said in the chat. It's not an easy movie, but it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And also it's yeah. an important movie. Yeah. So I totally agree. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's not on my list because I, I just totally missed it. I, I totally, uh, when I was looking through his filmography, I just totally forgot about it. Um, otherwise I, I think I would have had it, uh, on there pretty high. So, um, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. This is Netflix 
first feature film. Yeah. I don't know if it's the, I think they had some docs maybe before it, um, but it's definitely close. Yeah. It's definitely close. Yeah. This was a Kerry <coughs> Joe Fu, uh, Fukunaga. 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 Yeah. Fukuhara. Yeah, Fukunaga. Yeah, Fukunaga. Yeah, um, it's definitely back there for sure. Uh, all right, uh, Andrew, what is your number one? My number one is a movie where Idris Elba has 12 <laughs> words and then he dies. <laughs> I'm going with Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, that's my number one as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thanks, thanks for putting in the work there, Elba, so I could get my <laughs> this movie on my list. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what have what could be said about Infinity War that hasn't been said by us or millions of other people? Well, we could know? say the same thing we say every time we talk about it, which is, you know, we think it's the better of the two finishing movies. Uh, we think it's better than yeah. Endgame as a complete film, um, yeah. and that it does some some of the bravest things that that Marvel has you know done in their series. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we kind of repeat that kind of stuff every time we talk about it, but. Uh, man, this 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 movie is just it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, all we need I to mean, say. I mean, that's it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it cemented Thanos as one of the greatest villains of all time, and that's I don't know why Marvel can't realize from their successes. You need to have a villain like Thanos or <clears throat> or a Killmonger where you sympathize or at least <clears throat> understand what the villain's motives are. Don't yeah. have a villain for the sake of having just a bad guy. With Killmonger, yeah. I understood why. I didn't agree with what he was doing. I understood, and it was coming from a place that he thought he was doing good. And that's even more exacerbated by Thanos, where Thanos thinks he's helping. And that's what his conviction is. Like, I know that you all don't understand, but I promise you, I am helping. It may seem hard, but I'm doing the right thing. And that's something that makes a for a fascinating yeah. villain. Yeah. This is Thanos this is Thanos' movie. It's not an Avengers movie, it's a Thanos movie. Yeah. I am waiting, uh, and this is kind of beside the point, but you know, it's my show, I'll do what I want. I am hey, yeah. waiting. <laughs> I am waiting for Marvel to truly truly wrestle with the decision to bring people back after five years uh because we've talked about this before but when you really think about it that is a morally ambiguous decision there that is not a clear-cut right thing to do because you're dealing with people who have already mourned have already mourned the ones they've lost for five years and have moved on with their life um possibly remarried or you know whatever can happen in a five-year span to set those people back is not it's not a cut and dry moral right thing and i would love to see marvel have maybe a villain uh, to your point who says what would it be any difference to me then setting it back you know five years before that you know whose whose idea was you know when you made this choice you destroyed my new yeah. life and took a, you know took away so much work i had done and so yeah and and to even think about the fact of you know it's not just great people you're bringing right, back right. after 5 years yeah. <laughs> you're you're also bringing yeah. them back horrible people uh so um i don't know it's just and i'm not saying that makes it wrong i'm not saying that makes it right i'm saying marvel hasn't really wrestled with it yet no um, that's so. it's a 
fascinating story element yeah. that is untapped. Which I guess they're kind right. of touching on it in Falcon <laughs> yeah. and the Winter just Soldier a, but a little just bit. A little yeah. bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You're right. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of if they're willing to really grasp with, because they really can't. If you honestly think about it, and maybe years from now they can, they really can't in any way indicate that it might have been a wrong decision for them to do that. They did, I mean, it's it was the whole basis of the entire end yeah. of that first saga. So it would be difficult uh, to pull I think, off. I think that that would be the villain's motivation, but I don't think you'll ever see one of the heroes uh, admit that it was the wrong decision, especially right. with the... With the sacrifices, we can talk spoilers for Infinity War, right? <laughs> it's been, an, I think it's been a long yeah. enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you, Tony dying and, you know, Cap, you know, growing old. I mean, I don't think you would ever see any of the heroes from Marvel say, yeah, I don't think it was worth it. I don't think they should have done <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, it would be I tough think, to do. You, yeah. Well, there you go. There's our top five best ever Idris Elba movies. Uh, I had a couple of honorable mentions. Um, yep. uh, I would just throw out Finding Dory, which I like more than yep. most people, but uh, but that may be just been Pixar love, oh, yeah. and then also Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I wanted to mention as well. Uh, I do I do like those new Star Trek movies. So Andrew disagrees. But, uh, <coughs> no, just that there. one. I hated. <laughs> oh, that's the only new Star Trek that you don't like is the Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, I like all the others. I I, especially, I love the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like uh Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. I want to throw yeah. out Rock and Roller. Yeah. This movie is <laughs> it's banana hammocks. It's <laughs> it's I love I love a lot about this movie. I think the one thing that we talk about, you know, all of his movies and the things that he gets right, but I don't think we were really talking about chemistry mm. in his movies and it's just this is like Everybody's perfectly casting this from Tom Hardy to Gerard Butler, Idris Elba, those two Russian guys that won't die. It's just, it's a great movie. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I think that whenever you think of his, you, everybody's going right. to say Snatch and Lockstock are better movies because those are like the first three. But Rock and Roll is good. You got, nice. uh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, yeah, TT, my honorable any, mentions uh, again are mentions. really more on the TV side. I, I, again, I can't get over the idea that we're talking about a guy who was featured in The Office. He had Luther, and then you know, for me, the end all and be all of all television is is The Wire, and String, Stringer Bell is mm-hmm. yeah going to be the the iconic character. Iconic. That again, if if yeah. I had to do like. I hate to say it, but at some point in time when he's no longer with us and we've got to do that memorial reel for him, it's not a film role, but I'm like, you've got to include Stringer, Stringer Bell. Bell in there. You really have to because that's that's the that's yeah. the one performance yeah. that kind of kicks it all off that we would look at and we go like, oh yeah, that's it. That was that's that's Idris Elba. So yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's well worth mentioning uh, as well. Um, all right, let's move on to Buried Treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about it? Uh, I'll kick us off. Um, the Empty Man is a movie that came out a while back. Uh, just getting around to see it. If you know anything about me, you know I don't enjoy horror movies. Um, and this is definitely a horror film. But I had enough of my horror film uh, loving people say, this might be one of the horror films that you might enjoy. Um, and here's what I will say to those who said this was a horror film I might enjoy. I a hundred percent understand why you said that. Uh, there is a lot of deep thinking in this movie. If you want to go there, there's philosophy stuff. 
about duality. There's philosophy stuff about reality versus fiction. There's all sorts of really interesting conversations you could have coming away uh, from this movie. It also is pretty daytime horror for a lot of it. In other words, it's it's not all darkness and horror tropes and jump scares and all those things that I'm just like, I've seen this a million times. I get, you know, that this is scary. That's not, you know, there's something more to that here. There's an actual story uh, that takes place with actual human beings, you know, talking to each other about things. Um, having said all that, I did not really enjoy myself, but it primarily comes down to the fact that I don't uh, enjoy that. I don't enjoy the exploration of fear and darkness uh, for its own exploration. And that's a lot of what is what is absolutely going on here. So I can look at it and go, uh, I think this is a good movie. That's what I would tell you. I, I think this is a good movie. It's just not for me. And um, it didn't quite cross that line that something like Get Out maybe did or, you know, some of the other. Um, <coughs> it follows. It, it follows. It follows definitely crossed that line for me where I was like, oh, I yeah. love this. I, I really, you know, I get that this is a horror movie, but the things that it's doing are really, really interesting. Empty Man didn't quite get there for me, but I wanted to put it out there because so many people told me they thought um, it was one uh, that I might enjoy. So. Uh, all that to say, if you like horror movies, I'm almost sure you'll enjoy this movie. I know it's kind of developed even a real uh, cult following since it came out last year, and more and more people are talking about it. Um, but uh, if you don't like horror movies, I don't necessarily know that you would enjoy this one. So, The Empty Man uh, is my buried treasure. Andrew, what do you got? I am going to go with something that is totally insane. Um, hopefully, uh, it's queued up, but... Here is a new song by Amy Winehouse. Just a little quick sample of it. Are we playing music Bill. now? Bill. <laughs> uh, I don't know that he would have the ability to. I mean, he'd have to I add it. I sent it to him. Yeah. He yeah. Would, I he... sent it to him in the email. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> imagine you just heard a great song. This is totally. This, this whole thing uh, was, you know gonna boil down to this there's a new amy winehouse song out called man i know here's the crazy thing the entire song lyrics vocals instrumental everything was created by artificial intelligence oh interesting the entire song it's it's something that i think is called uh the lost tracks of the 27 Mm. club so what it is is they took famous uh, artists who passed away at, at 27, like Nirvana, Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Jim Morrison, and they created new songs. They uh, what they, uh, I guess Google has a uh, Google has a, a program called Magenta, an AI program called Magenta. Okay. They took all of Amy Winehouse's songs, they uploaded it into this program, and based off of you know. Uh, repeating rhythms, uh, uh, patterns, and vocal analysis, stuff like that, they were able to create new songs with artificial created lyrics, everything. And it sounds so real. It's creepy how real it sounds. I was, yeah, 
Phil. No, that's not your fault. I was really hoping that he would be able to play that, and then you guys, I would be like, surprise, it's a computer. You know, so. <laughs> that's kind of cool. You know, it's it's all very uh, amazing Ooh. and fascinating and also scary at the same time. Um, you know, there's there's yeah. all that element of technology. Every technology that's come, every technology that is to come can be used for uh, amazing, fun purposes as well as nefarious ones. And so it's... Well, that's it's it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is every now and then you get uh you see something like a a leap in technology that you just weren't ready for, you know? Like I didn't know that this was possible. And and it's 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 kind of creepy, but at the same time it's fascinating because the song especially the Amy Winehouse song. The the Nirvana song uh not so much. Jimi Hendrix is actually really good, but the Amy Winehouse is like shockingly good. So if you just go on a YouTube and you type in "Man I Know Amy Winehouse," uh, that's yeah. the AI song. Oh it's, wow, it's good. Fun stuff. Okay, what do you got? I'm, CT, I'm what's sorry, I'm treasure? writing that down so that I'll be ready for it after this. Um, yeah, my buried treasure <laughs> yeah. is actually one that I've already spent time talking about this week on Fox 19. It's technically a little connected to Concrete Cowboys, too. I go all the way back to 30 years ago for um, Boys in the Hood. And in a lot of ways, you know, as we were talking about, and I remember, you know, the earlier conversation we had about Concrete Cowboy, you know, the, the notion is, yes, those performances are kind of distracting us in some ways from the idea that we're getting sort of a very traditional urban centric kind of coming of age story. And we know what mm-hmm. to expect from those stories because we've seen them time and time before. And in a lot of ways, yeah. it feels like John Singleton gave us the template in, to a certain extent, or at least kind of codified what we know of that template with this film. It was his first film. He made it straight yeah. out of film school. He was, again, it was in his early twenties. Um, he ended up, getting two Academy Award nominations for this, you know, the screenplay. And then also he was the youngest and the first African-American director nominated in the category. Um, And as I talked about it for our time capsule on Fox 19, I didn't quite think of how apt this film really is as a time capsule. Because again, you've got all of those elements, but you also have to look at the fact that Mm -hmm. you've got an amazing cast in, in this film as well. You know, Academy Award winners and nominees are kind of all up and down the uh, the, the entire you know, the entire cast here. You've got Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, Cuba Gooding Jr. You know, Regina King is in there. I mean, it's again, it's such a rich cast, and everyone kind of does what they need to do. You know, in terms of giving us this story and. Yes, we're getting those tropes that we would understand. And it's curious to me now, 30 years later, because at the time when it first came out, I have to admit, I wasn't exactly feeling it because I was concerned about the idea that, okay, yeah, we're getting another stereotypical look at black life in the hood. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, you're going to go from Mm -hmm. this film to eventually you're going to get Minister Society. And there was a lot of talk and a lot being written about these films that were trying to, in some ways, kind of boost them up beyond just the tropes that were there. Um, but what happened is, again, 30 years later, we do end up getting a film like Concrete Cowboy that 
that gives us or kind of operates on that framework, but then is able to find something else about it. Like, again, I keep going back to how I compared and talked about Concrete Cowboy being a film about love of culture and family and everything else. That love was kind of in Boys in the Hood. And obviously it probably felt even more so for Singleton because it was it was his story. Um, but but again, we might not yeah. have Concrete Cowboy as we have it now in the way that we have it now without this foundation have, being laid in the first place. So I think and in a lot of ways, we, you have to give yeah. credit where credit is due and the passion and everything else that, that Singleton put into this kind of plays out through the you know his career moving forward we saw that same kind of passion and and interest in in these particular characters in this world and poetic justice and in higher learning he was still pushing and and forcing us to look at elements of society that we weren't seeing on on a regular basis uh so yeah there's there's like i said there's just so much yeah. that's in this and again it kind of feels like this is probably a good time to kind of look back because again, yeah, we've, you know, we, we lost him a couple of years ago, uh, but he gave us a very interesting and diverse kind of, you know, filmography as a writer and director. And again, yeah, this is where it all started. Very nice. Uh, Boys in the hood. Do you know if that's streaming anywhere or you where people might be able to, to find that? Prime, uh, and I want to say it might be available through that. That is the only place. That's, that's the only place. Yeah, and you can re- yeah renting yeah. it through Amazon yeah. for two ninety. I, I wasn't sure about that. That's the only yeah. place you can find it because it yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, Boys in the Hood. If you want to check it out, it is available for rent uh, at all the platforms. It does say that it is available mm. with Sling if you have a Sling subscription, um, but uh, I'm not sure about that because I've never used Sling, so I don't know what that means. Um, but yes, uh, should be able to rent if nothing else. Well, we did it, guys. We managed to uh, cast some pod today. Congratulations to yeah, all of did. us uh, for accomplishing the goal we set out to accomplish. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Uh, big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Bye, Phil. And a big thank you to Drew for putting together the graphics for the show. Big clap. And thank you to TT for hanging out with us Woo! today. Uh, TT, where would you like yeah, it's uh, easy. to check it's, out online? Uh, where, where do you want people to go? It's my blog. It's got everything archived. Uh, and yeah, I'm actually now just uh, into my second podcast myself uh, with uh, Critical Reflections. So yeah, I'm going to have links for that on the on the podcast coming up. I mean, on my blog coming up pretty soon as well, too. So that'll that's the home for everything TT. Well, TT, we love having you on again. Check him out at TerrenceTodd.com. Uh, all your links will be there for what you want to check out. Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month. Uh, one of the levels, you get all the bonus episodes, and there's other fun perks there as well for being a Sif Pop member. You can check that out at Patreon.com slash Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Uh, you can leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. 
And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than falling asleep with a horse in the room. Uh, We will be back next week. Not exactly sure what we're going to be reviewing, but we will be here to review it, and we will see you then. Bye!